Today we're going to actually kind of tie a, a bow around this last series we've been in on, uh, called Acceptable, giving gifts that please the Father, because there are gifts that are pleasing to Him, and honestly, there are gifts that are not pleasing to Him, because maybe our heart's not in the right place, or we've got the wrong attitude, or we're giving to the wrong person, or maybe the amount doesn't reflect a, a real sacrifice on our part. But, but we want to give gifts that are pleasing to the Lord and acceptable to Him. And I love the fact that this has taken place during the season of Thanksgiving, because uh, I just... It just flows really well to go from Thanksgiving to Christmas because gratitude um, ignites generosity. That when we're grateful, we become more open. And that's just true in our lives. We teach our children as they're growing up to understand the privilege of what we have. And so we teach children when they're very little to say thank you, to appreciate what they get, whether it's going trick-or-treating or whether someone gives you a gift or does a favor for you, you say thank you. Uh, when I was in high school, I actually wanted to create a line of cards because I was in a class where we had to create some greeting cards, and I thought, you know, nobody's ever made a, a your welcome card. I'm going to make a your welcome card to, to thank all the people who say thank you and it just encourage that. But thank you is part of how we're raised to be. And it's almost as if there's this muscle tied from our, our mouth down to our hands that when we frown, our fists get tight. And we smile, they open up. That when we think we're entitled, when we think we deserve more, when we're not very grateful, we tend to hoard things. And I, I remember that very vividly when I was a kid. Now, I know you kids are looking forward to Christmas. And, and when I was a kid, I looked forward to Christmas of the things that I would get. And sometimes I have to confess, I would get a little jealous of the kid who got the electronic game, the big toy, the expensive equipment that they put up in their yard, and I got clothes for Christmas. And, I, and it was hard for me to say thank you for clothes because I get clothes throughout the year. I don't want clothes for Christmas. And, you know, I was being a selfish little kid because I was looking out for me. You know what a gift is? A gift is when someone gives you something you don't deserve. And if you don't deserve it, that means you shouldn't really even expect it. And when you approach things that way, it's kind of like Job, a man in the Bible, says, naked I came from my mother's womb. You know, when babies are born, they're naked. And when you die and you go, you don't get to take any of that stuff with you. And so everything is kind of added on. You have to look at it as like a gift, as a privilege. And yet we have grown up in a culture that's becoming increasingly entitled to where we think that somebody owes me something. And it's the government, it's my parents, it's my neighbor. You know, somebody owes me something. And it causes us to be very critical and discontent and jealous. Yet God calls us to be grateful people. Gratitude is a fuel. Gratitude is a fuel that, that, that fuels generosity. But it does even more than that. It fuels joy. That when you're grateful, it, it, something wells up inside of you, this, this expression, this feeling of joy, it, it it, it ignites contentment. Say, thank you, Lord, for what I have. I, I'm okay where I am. It, it ignites worship. When you start to count your blessings of what you have and what you've been given, and you go, wow, God, I've got all this stuff I, know, I don't even deserve. I want to praise you. I want to draw my attention to you. At, at, at Thanksgiving several years ago, I, I went to a family's house. This, this girl that was a, a friend of mine asked me if I would help her drive to Montana to spend Christmas with her family. And she warned me. She said, my dad's an atheist, just so you know that. And here we were, Bible college students. And so when it came time for the Thanksgiving meal, we were all gathered around the table, and it was almost like instinctively everyone reached out and grabbed hands. And I thought, this is going to get really interesting because I don't know how an atheist prays. And everyone looked over to dad to see what dad was going to do, and uh, he kind of stumbled, 
And he said something like this. We're thankful for our family and for this food. And I thought, well, that, that was pretty good for an atheist. But you know what's sad is he didn't have anybody to thank. See, when you say thank you, you refers to a person. You, you refers to somebody that can appreciate the gratitude. And so you don't go up to a tree and say thank you. You don't look at the flowers and say thank you. You thank the person who planted there, the person who gave them to you. You thank a person. And so, so we need an outlet of someone to say thank you to. And so all through the Psalms, you hear this phrase over and over and over again, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. You know, saying thank you is, is good. In fact, I, I want to do something right here. I want, I want every kid in this room, I want you to look your mom or dad in the face, and I want you just to say thank you to them. Would you do that right now? Just say thank you. Okay? That was quick. That was good. Very good. Now, mom and dad, we need to practice it too, so I want you to look at your kids. Or if you're married, you don't have kids here, or you're with your girlfriend or boyfriend, or maybe just a good friend, why don't you turn to that person, let us as adults practice saying thank you. Say thank you. Doesn't that feel good? Feels good to give thanks. And what we just did was make a choice. Gratitude is a choice. We, we often think that I have to feel grateful to say thank you, and you don't. Thankfulness starts in the mind. Thankfulness is a decision to say, I will say thank you. You know what happens? Your feelings often follow along with it. When you make a practice of saying thank you and thank you, God, and thank you for this and thank you for that, it starts to change even how you feel about things. Don't let your feelings rob you of the joy of gratitude. Make the decision. That's why we're told, give thanks to the Lord. Not feel thanks. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And here's what, here's what gratitude does. It's like, it's, um, it's like putting gas in the tank. It, it starts to fill up. And, and it fuels those other things that I talked about, contentment, joy, hope, worship, just simply by saying, I'm grateful for what God has done. I'm grateful for what people have done in my lives. And I know this sounds a little corny, but it just struck me earlier this week, and I thought, I've got to share it with you because you'll probably never forget it. Being thankful keeps the tank full. Okay? <laughs> Being thankful does what? Keeps, keeps the tank full. If you make a habit of saying thank you, it will keep the tank full to where when, it, when the time comes to be generous, you're generous. When the time comes to be, be in worship, you can be in worship. When the time comes to be positive and optimistic, you're ready because it's been fueled by, by gratitude. And just like a car, a car can go a lot further. When the tank is full, you will go a lot further in your relationship with God if you keep the tank full. Psalm 9, verse 1. David writes again in the Psalms, this, this great verse, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. That means we should talk about what God has done, the wonderful things God has done. And I decided that today's kind of a unique day. It's a family Sunday, family worship. It's right after Thanksgiving. We're, we're kind of in um, Turkey, coma, stayed, not real attentive to a deep sermon by the pastor. So uh, what I thought we'd do today is uh, we want to share some stories of people within the church. Some people have been here for a while, some who are very new to the church. 
But in each case, God has done something amazing. I know you all have your stories too, but I've asked these four individuals, probably people that, that maybe you've seen around but haven't really gotten to know them very well to hear what their story is. So I'm going to have uh, uh, Andrew Setzer come up. Andrew's been part of our worship team. And Andrew already has a fan club. I, that's your wife, right? <laughs> and, you know, I, I love watching him sing. Um, he's got such joy in, in, his, in his walk with the Lord. But uh, I think there's a little reason for some of that joy, too. The very first Sunday that he and his wife came here, I, I remember right down here during the prayer time, they came forward, and I got to pray with them. And I have got to watch from the side this unfolding story in their lives. It's just been so beautiful. So I asked Andrew if he'd share that with you. Hello. So me and my wife have been married for almost five years now. Uh, we got married when I was deployed in Afghanistan. Um, when I got home from Afghanistan, I wasn't really close with God right then. And uh, I was just doing my own thing when I was in the military. But me and my wife decided, hey, let's try to have a family. So it took a couple months for us to get pregnant. But we finally got pregnant. And uh, 12 weeks into it, we found out we had a miscarriage. And it was hard. It was hard for me. I didn't know how to process it. And it was difficult for me to accept the reality of it. Um, shortly after that, I had a friend in the military commit suicide. And this really put me in a deep, dark um, depression. And uh, I was trying to get through it. So me and my wife, a couple months later, decided, hey, let's try again. And we got pregnant a little bit faster. And we were excited and hopeful. And... Uh, Nine weeks later, we found out we had another miscarriage. Yeah, and uh, we found out that my wife was Rh negative, which means that uh, there's things in her blood cells that attack the baby if it's if it's a different type of blood. So we were really discouraged at having a baby. Um, so we got home. We were driving up Main Street, and it just hit me like a bag of bricks. I looked at the church, and I felt God say, "Go to church." So me and my wife, that following Sunday, we went to church, and. Uh, the sermon was perfect. It's exactly what I needed to hear. It was just God speaking to me, saying it's okay to feel pain. And we uh, prayed with Pastor Darren that we could have a baby. A couple weeks later, we found out that we were pregnant. And uh, now we're raising a 16-month-old little boy. Yeah. Extremely thankful for that. It was one of the most amazing blessings that I could have had. But uh, uh, bigger news is me and my wife are now expecting our second blessing. <laughs> so, through this whole thing, it's taught me that communication in our relationship with God is like our relationship with our spouse or with our kids or with our family, is that communication is essential. We got to talk to God. We got to pray. We need to listen to him as well. Reading into that scripture is his word, listening to what he's telling our heart, and it's just amazing the blessings that flow into your life. Thank you. All right, Antoinette is a, a young lady that I've gotten to know through her parents and um, had the privilege, along with my wife Julie, to go to Tanzania, Africa on a mission when she was a little bit younger and watch her and her sister Farron do just an incredible job of working with kids. And I've just marveled at, at this lady. Uh, come on over here. Don't be shy. How long have you and your family been coming to church here? Um, we figured it out last night since I was in kindergarten. So we started coming here. The Sunday after we moved to that building. Wow, wow. so you've watched all the stuff that's happened here. Now, right now, you're at college. Where are you, and what year are you in school, and what's your major? I'm 
at Colorado State University. I'm a junior, and I'm studying chemistry and chemistry education. And we get real excited when our kids go off to Bible college because they want to they really get to know God's Word and, and find out what God has called them to do. But honestly, you don't have to go to a Christian college or a Bible college to do that. We have many kids who go off to colleges and get involved in the ministries on campus. And so all, your whole time up at Colorado State, you've been involved in a campus ministry, right? Yeah. And what has it done? Tell us what it is and what it's done for you. Yeah, so I'm part of an organization called The Navigators. Um, so it's a student ministry, or a collegiate ministry, um, and its focus is to know Christ and to make him known. So we're part of a, I'm part of a Bible study and then lead a Bible study of freshmen. Um, and so we work on knowing Christ, getting in his word. Um, and then I live in a household with um, believers, so I live with eight roommates who all love Jesus and are trying to figure out what it looks like to um, love him in a college and then just surrounded by a group of people who, yeah, know him and love him. And then from that, to make him known. So encouraged to go out and uh, make him known to our classmates and to those who are around, um, especially with the freshmen, to um, share the gospel on their halls and with their roommates. So you don't have to go to Tanzania to be a missionary. You can be a missionary on a college campus. And actually, one of the things that um, Antoinette has done um, since she was young is um, gone, gone to a camp, um, at um, Eagle Lake Camp, and she was a camper there for many years, and then transitioned from being a camper to be a, a counselor and working with a, a crew to, to lead other campers and, and teenagers. And so this past summer, God showed you something really um, powerful that's impacted you about things that are eternal. What, what was the lesson that you learned? So the phrase that kind of encapsulates it is three things are eternal, God, His Word, and the souls of man. So I was leading a crew um, of high school students who were there for five weeks. Um, they came kind of to do the grunt work of camp, to clean the bathrooms, um, to serve the food. But my campers specifically came um, to learn how to lead a Bible study and then um, how to share the gospel with the campers and then hopefully to go back home and be able to do that as well. Um, so as we started leading them and teaching them these like basic um, yeah, things of your faith, we realized that three things were eternal. And so when we saw that our campers knew God and knew his word and loved him and loved his word, they were propelled to go and share it with those who they were around. Um, and that really just kind of gives them this idea of they're doing a kingdom work. Um, and yeah, that, I think that was the biggest phrase. So. Well, I'm excited about you, that God is using you right where you are, and we'll continue to use you to impact young people, neighbors, classmates, all of that. So um, let's thank Antoinette for sharing with us today. In the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 2, it says, to be devoted uh, in prayer, being watchful and thankful. It's interesting those two words are put together, watchful and thankful. And I wonder that, God, why did you put those two? You talk about prayer, and you said be watchful and and thankful. And, and it may be that God's saying, be open-eyed to the blessings all around you. See what I'm doing and thank me for what I'm doing. Be watchful and thankful. And, and in your prayer life, acknowledge that. I've always made part of my prayer time with the Lord before I ever get to request. And I know requests are a big part of our prayers that we want to ask God for things. There's nothing wrong with that. But I always think it's, it's important first to start with praising God for who he is and thanking him for what he's done. 
and acknowledging. Just to stop and pause and say, God, as I look around, I mean, Thanksgiving was a wonderful time. Uh, Thanksgiving morning to get up and just start saying, God, thank you. I was sitting actually on our, our couch, and my Bible was sitting next to me, and I look out the window, and there's this red sky. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, Thanksgiving morning. It was this bright red sky that lasted for a few moments, and then it started um, dissipating. But it was just so beautiful. I said, God, thank you that I live in such a place that displays your beauty all around. Be watchful and thankful. And I know there are many in our church who've been praying for God to, um, to do something for them, to intervene in a way, maybe to answer a lifelong prayer. And, and one of those is Carlos Crespo. Um, Carlos has been involved in our men's ministry, and uh, Carlos is a very joyful man, but he struggled. He's had a struggle for many, many years. And I just have to acknowledge today that he's not half the man he used to be. So, <laughs> Carlos, thank you today. Tell us what God has done for you. Oh, my gosh. Other than cutting me in half, pretty much. <laughs> um, it's been an amazing journey. Uh, God has been great to me. Um, he's been blessing me with a great family, with uh, great friends and all that. And um, back in November, I started the process of finally decided I need to do something about myself. I was the type that just sat on the couch, watched TV. My kids would come to me, Daddy, let's go and play. I'm like, nope, I'm tired. <laughs> Not happening. Um, and it just gets to the point that you get tired of that. And I just got to a, a breaking point. I was, I was so sick, blood pressure issues, uh, depressed, and, and all that. And I finally said, enough is enough. Doctor kept telling me, you need to do something or you're not going to last more than 10 years. And I'm like, sure, whatever you say. And it just clicked one day. And I decided to go through the process. It wasn't easy. Um, I finally went through surgery July 5th. Uh, when I uh, started um, the process in April, because there's a process uh, for those who haven't gone through it, um, I was 420 pounds. Right now, I'm sitting at 290. Um, I went from a size 6X. I'm actually wearing a 2X, which it feels pretty good. Um, I'm done with the clothes in my closet. There, I have nothing. <laughs> um, um, sometimes I go to work and people tell me your pants are falling. I'm like, yep, and it feels great. <laughs> you know, uh, but it's something that I'm really, really thankful for. Like I said before, my family has been so supportive. God has blessed me with, with great friends. Uh, they have supported me through, through all of this. Um, and there's a funny joke that they say at work whenever we have potlucks and everything is Carlos only needs to sniff the corner of the box and he'll be good to go. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty much what I do. Uh, God has been so great. Um, to my wife, thank you, Teresa. Um, you stood next to me when I was crying, being a baby. Oh, my gosh, it's the end of the world. It's the worst decision that I ever made. That was two weeks after surgery, and she put up with it, and then she got to the point, it's time to go to work, baby. Uh, yes, honey. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, guys. Um, uh, God has been great. Thank you. Okay. Uh, anybody here weigh 130 pounds in the front row? Anybody about 130? Stand up. He just lost you. Okay, that's what he just lost. Isn't that amazing? Thank you. Wow. Well, I had the privilege of meeting one of our very newest members, a man named Andy Zach, a man with two first names. And uh, I, I just, I really enjoyed this man. I didn't know he was a pastor for 
for many, many years. Came out to Colorado Springs and has uh, been working as a chaplain in the prisons. And talk about a tough job, tough audience. And he comes home at night just exhausted. But God is using him at this stage of his life. We had the privilege as elders just before this service to pray with him over his wife. Um, who's battling cancer. And so uh, we are just so blessed to welcome them in our church family. This is Andy Zach. Good morning, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Um, on Wednesday night, um, Jan and I had the privilege of having my granddaughter that's three stay overnight, and then we were going to go over to my daughter's house for Thanksgiving dinner. I call Abby my home entertainment center. After, um, after working with prisoners all day long, to come home and build uh, Ferris wheels out of Tinker Toys and play hide-and-go-seek is really, really a blessing. So I just really appreciate and enjoy her. And, you know, the thing about it is, is that a funny event that happened Thursday morning as we were about to go to, to dinner was that she was watching me brush my teeth and uh, to comb my hair. And I was combing my hair, and she stood over watching me. And then I, I put hairspray in my hair, and she started laughing like crazy. And I thought, Abby, why are you laughing? She says, Pa, you put hairspray in your hair. See, her father's in the Air Force and has real short hair, so she's never seen a guy put hairspray in. So it was like this new, I'm, I'm discovering the whole world all over again with, through my granddaughter. And, and the thing about it was is that two and a half, I, I almost missed this opportunity because two and a half years ago, um, I, it, by accident, they discovered that I had a, a tumor on one of my kidneys. Uh, it was cancerous. And... Uh, in the process of finding the tumor, they found out I had an aneurysm above my heart that was so serious that they said, you're going to have to have immediate surgery. And this was on the heels of the doctors diagnosing my wife with stage 4 cancer. So we went through a pretty dark year that year. Um, we got to know each other real well. We were home after all of our surgeries. And, um, but um, the interesting thing about it is, is that some people said, man, you're still walking, you're, 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 you've survived that, you must have an awful lot of faith. And I said, man, I'll be honest with you, there were times that faith was sitting in a chair in my living room, looking up to God with tears flowing down my eyes, saying, Lord, please touch us and help us. That was faith to me. And I can just share with you that two years later, we are standing. We are standing in the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a scripture verse in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that says this, that inside of all of us that are believers, we have a treasure. We have a treasure that the excellency of the power is of God and and it's not of us. It says we might be hard-pressed. We might feel great pressure, but we are not crushed. It says we might be perplexed about life. We might have all kinds of questions, but we are not in despair. And then it says, we may be knocked down, but we are not knocked out because we walk in this treasure that God has given us. And today, I had a prison chaplain say to me recently, he said, not only have you survived, you're thriving. And and, and because uh, my prison that I work for is known as a chaplain's graveyard. There's a number of chaplains that have come and gone. This December, I'll be celebrating three years as chaplain of that facility. So I'm very, very thankful today. Um, I just thank the Lord Jesus Christ for all that he has done for us today. We stand because Christ lives in us. And God bless you. I could have picked another 100 people in the church to share 
the wonderful deeds that God has done and why you're, you're grateful. But some of you may be questioning, saying, well, pastor, it's easy when you have something to be grateful for because you don't know my situation. And I'm, I'm very tough circumstances. We are told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the approach that we all should have. It, it says, um, this is the Apostle Paul writing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks, not for all, in all. There's a difference. There are a lot of things that we are not grateful for. I think of the, the D's, disease and disaster and divorce and death. And probably right now, in some people's mind, you could add a fifth D, the Donald, okay? So things, that, things that make life uncomfortable and disrupt our lives, okay? Things that we say, I can't be grateful right now because of these things. The circumstances aren't real good. But he doesn't say give thanks for the circumstances, give thanks in the circumstances. Well, how do, you, how do you do that? I'll tell you, there have been times in my life where I've gone through difficult times, stressful times, painful times, and, and I always go back to remembering who God is. God is good. God is a good father. Every gift that comes from him is good and is perfect. And in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his good purpose. That God is at work in the midst of these things. His plans weren't thwarted by whatever circumstances came in my life. In fact, they probably were advanced. God is working out his plan. And it's not only good from his perspective, it ultimately is good for me. Now, I'll tell you this. One of the main things you can thank God for is he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. No matter what situation you're going through, he is there with us. He is the comfort. He is the guide. He is the good shepherd. Now, we had a tragedy in our community this past week. Tuesday night, a fight broke out in a home. And, and I don't know what got into this man, but a man took the life of his wife. And some of you may recall seeing that on the news. What you may not have known is their 16-year-old daughter goes to our youth group here at church. And in one night, she lost her mother and and her dad was taken off to prison. And she and her brother look around. And and I was thinking this week, that happened early in the morning on Wednesday. What do you do on Thursday when it's Thanksgiving? How do you approach this day when you're supposed to give thanks to God, but the, the people that meant the most to me are gone now? How do, I, how do I give thanks? Again, we don't give thanks for bad situations, bad circumstances. But I can tell you this. She is thankful that she has people, extended family that love her, that are going to take her and her brother in and are going to become like a mom and dad to her. She's grateful that there's a youth group here at church and there's a youth coach named Kanani who loves her and is walking this journey with her. And their family is committed this newly formed family of coming to this church because this has become like a second family to her. This Tuesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there'll be a funeral in this place for Karen Lorbiecki. And there'll be people from the community. There'll be friends of the kids all gathered here. And we're not thankful for what's happened. But we have to look at the God who takes bad situations and promises to bring something good out of it. I mean, think about the worst thing that ever happened in history. The best man, the most gracious man, the most wonderful man that that ever walked this earth was led off to a cross to be crucified and nails driven in his hands, stripped down to almost nakedness on the cross. And he died and was thrown into a a borrowed tomb. And yet he rose from the dead. And we call that, guess, uh, guess what? Good news. That's good news. 
God took a horrible tragedy and turned it into good news. Why? Because you and I deserve death. You and I deserve punishment for our sins. You and I deserve to be alienated from God forever. But God has brought us together through this tragic, seemingly horrible event. Our good Father has made a way for you and I to be reconciled with himself. God is good. That's why Paul tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, thanks be to God for his indescribable gifts. What's that gift? Jesus in the eternal life that we have because of him. I give thanks to God all the time for that. In fact, we just celebrated a little earlier a thing called communion. In some cultures, uh, they call it the Eucharist. You know what that word Eucharist means? It means gratitude. It means saying thanks to God for that indescribable gift. I mean, if, if you were to make a list of the things you're grateful for, I hope that'd be on your list. But there ought to be many others. In fact, on your bulletin, there's a, there's a place for you to write down five things that this day you are thankful for. And so take out that, that um, uh, bulletin, flip it over on the sermon note side, that list of five. If you don't have a bulletin, that's okay. Take one of those connection cards out that's in the, pew, in, the, in the back of the chair right in front of you. I'd like everybody in this room to do this. We can think of five things we're grateful for, can't we? Take the next few moments, make a list. And maybe for some of you, you're going to have to dig deep because you're one of those that's going through tough circumstances. But I'm going to ask you, in the midst of that circumstance, to do what the Scripture says, to give thanks, to look beyond your circumstance to the ways that God actually has blessed you in the midst of your difficulty. Let's write that list, five things.